We've had two primary goals this summer in the summer series, and that is for each of us to grow in a deeper and a closer relationship and understanding, to understand and experience God's love first and foremost for ourselves. Are we understanding and experiencing the love that God has for us in a new and a deeper way? That's our first goal. Our second goal is that our own capacity to love others will increase because of that. That we want to ask that question throughout the summer. Are we growing in our capacity to love others? Are we becoming more and more patient and kind toward others? The summer is going to come to an end in just a few more weeks. Oh, I don't want it to happen yet. (laughs) But it will. And our prayer is indeed that each and every one of us will have taken at least one step closer to having a greater heart for loving people than we had at the beginning of our summer. Someone recently told me that they have taken the words and the phrases that we have been studying during the summer and they've tried to apply them to their own work situation. And so that before getting to work every day, they've been thinking about the words of 1 Corinthians. They've been thinking about being patient with their co-workers, being kind to their customers, not being envious of co-workers, not being boastful of colleagues, not being proud with bosses, not being rude with employees, not being self-seeking with partners, not being easily angered by the vendors not keeping a record of wrong with co-workers. That's taking the word of Scripture and applying it to our everyday lives, making it something that we can try to live out. Today, our phrase is that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. And I want you to think for a moment how much each of us depends on truth Every single day. Imagine that you go and you take your car into the shop. After, an, after a routine uh, tune-up, the technician comes to you and says, Your car is in great shape. You are amazing the way you take care of your car. You put so much attention to the detail. It shows. Then later that day, your brakes go out. You come right back to the shop when you find out that there was no brake fluid in your car. And you say, Why didn't you tell me? And the technician sort of gets nervous and says, I didn't want you to feel bad. And to be honest, if I was afraid that if I told you, you might be upset with me. I wanted this to be a safe place where you could feel loved and accepted. But the truth is, you don't feel loved and accepted. You don't feel safe. And you're probably not ever going to go back there again. Because when you bring your car in for service... You don't want to have your ego inflated. You want to make sure that your car is in good working condition and that as you drive it off the lot, that you are going to be safe. You want to know that you can trust him to take care of your car. Or imagine that you've gone to the doctor's office again for just a routine checkup, and the doctor is very, very complimentary with you. You have the body of an Olympian. And even though you know it's an absolute lie, you say, oh, that's great. I feel so, so good about that. And you leave and you feel pretty good. You feel all pumped up. 
Later that day, however, while you're climbing a flight of stairs, your heart gives out. And while you're in the hospital, you find that your arteries are almost completely clogged. And you're facing now emergency surgery. Later, when you see that doctor, you're going to say to them, um, among other things, why didn't you tell me? (laughs) You can fill in the blanks. I'm not going to do that here. (laughs) And the doctor replied, well, yeah, I know that your body is more like the Pillsbury Doughboy than the Olympian. But again, you know, if I tell people stuff like that, they're offended. And I don't want them to be offended. Again, they might not come back to me. I want this to be a place where they can come and they feel loved and accepted. But again, you don't feel safe in that place. And you're not going to go back to that doctor if they're in practice a year from now. Again, you're going to be angry and you're going to be upset. If that doctor had told you the truth, you might have avoided that heart attack. When it comes to our bodies, we want the truth. Even when it hurts or it's bad news. Obviously, when it comes to something that matters to us, we don't want fake comfort. We don't want comfort that uh, helps us to avoid the pain. We really want the truth. And yet, if we're honest with ourselves in our daily lives, it's actually difficult to be honest 100% of the time. Each and every day, we are presented with little situations like this where we have a choice where we can tell the truth or we can tell a lie, a little white lie, maybe a big lie, or maybe we just avoid the truth altogether. Maybe we say nothing. These are times that sometimes we think that that is the best opinion, at least in the short term. If we just don't say anything or we tell that little tiny white lie, We don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. And so we don't say anything at all, or we make something up. And maybe we don't think that it's our place to say anything. Maybe saying nothing is just a lot easier after all. And so just like the auto mechanic or the doctor, we choose not to tell the truth. Someone once said, if you tell the truth, It becomes part of your past. If you tell a lie, it becomes part of your future. The benefits of telling the truth far outweigh any short-term advantages of lying. There is a recent uh, article that was written by David Weekmark, and he talked about truth in the workplace. And he identified eight different advantages, major advantages and benefits of telling the truth in the workplace. And while these are, the article is written about the workplace, it can be applied to every single aspect of our lives and to all of our relationships, to family and to friends, to our marriages, and even with acquaintances. The first advantage is that when you tell the truth, you don't have to remember your lie. And if you don't have a good memory, that's a good thing. But when you tell a lie, you need to remember that lie. And because if you don't, you're going to contradict yourself in the future. And this can create all sorts of anxiety. You have to worry about being caught in a situation when you could be found out. But if you never told the lie in the first place, you don't have to worry that your lies are going to be discovered and that you're going to be much, much happier and you're going to be much less anxious. 
second advantage is the fact that you'll earn trust and respect. Now, certainly telling the truth will earn you trust and the respect of family and friends and work colleagues. That's sort of a no-brainer. Third advantage is that you'll create a deeper connection with people. Because when we tell the truth, it shows that there is a willingness for us to be more openly, open with our own expression of feelings and our own thoughts. And the behavior that we we do, the behavior encourages others to reciprocate. And it will help us to go deeper and deeper in our friendships and our relationships because people won't be pushing us at, at arm's length. A fourth advantage is that you will feel more confident about yourself. Being truthful with other people means that you are also being more truthful with yourself. You can take pride in the fact that you are not betraying your own thoughts and your own beliefs. But you can build up your self-confidence because what you're talking about is truth. A fifth advantage is the fact that trust creates opportunities. If and when the work colleague or your superior, your supervisor, is aware that you are not always truthful, they will not always be willing to trust you. And they will be much more guarded about their dealings with you. If, however, your colleague or your supervisor believes that you are an honest person and that someone that can be trusted whether it's with friendship or information or opportunities, they're much more likely to flow your way. And if something goes wrong and they're not sure who has done that wrong, your superior, your supervisor, your friends are much more willing to say, I'm sure it wasn't this person, because they would tell me the truth. A sixth advantage is the fact that lying takes energy. Every time you need to decide whether to tell the lie or to tell the truth, and if you decide to tell the lie, you need to make sure that you've got to be willing to do it and it's going to use more energy, what will that lie be? And you're going to have to continue to create more and more lies to cover up the first one. If you're facing this dilemma multiple times in a day, you're using a lot of mental and physical energy that you don't need to be doing. If you tell the truth, it's just straight and easy. A seventh advantage is that you won't be caught lying. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Getting caught lying is embarrassing. If you always tell the truth, you can't get caught. You can relax and you can stop looking over your shoulder or trying to remember, now what was it that I said before and who did I say that to? we tell the truth, we don't have to worry about being caught in telling a lie. The eighth advantage is the fact that truth attracts truth. People that are 100% truthful, they're rare in today's society. And it's important and a valuable commodity. People who tell the truth are instinctively drawn to others who are honest and speak the truth honestly to others. Being honest can bring you better opportunities and better quality friendships, better acquaintances. Why? Because they reflect what you are reflecting. Setting the example yourself is often all people need to do the same 
And if you're telling the truth, others are much more likely to tell the truth as well. Telling the truth has its advantages in a lot of different ways, and it will surpass those short paths that we try to take sometimes to avoid a little bit of discomfort. Even if the advantage of telling the truth may not be immediately evident, think about the fact of the consequences, the alternative, that if you have developed a reputation of lying and someone that cannot be trusted that reputation is going to stay with you a long, long time. Telling the truth is important. It is an important part of having a trusting relationship. And it is an important quality in the genuine leadership, whether it's in the workplace or whether it's outside of it. I was reminded this week of how harmful words can be. Words that are just not quite the truth. Words that are spoken. Little words spoken about another, and then once they're said, it's like confetti that is caught in a windstorm because it is almost impossible to retrieve all of those little pieces. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Sometimes I think it is the fact that it's easier for us to to stay and get caught up into those words of not quite telling the truth and getting caught in there. Sometimes we started as kids. And sadly, sometimes we don't outgrow it. And it can follow us into our workplaces. Have you ever said or thought, it serves that person right? Though we genuinely... Uh, think that maybe, you know, that we want to be a little bit more mature about it. But we don't. I remember when I was a kid that we would talk, you know, amongst amongst ourselves sometimes. And that sometimes little kids would come. And sometimes we would come as kids and we would say, so-and-so is doing this. And it wasn't always because we wanted to, you know, them to, uh, you know, that they were really doing something bad. But it was wanting us to look good. And so it wasn't coming with clear motives. It was trying to make so-and-so, whether it was our brother or sister or just another friend, get in trouble. Those are the things that we don't always outgrow. When I was a kid and we would do it, I found that we would do it with my brother and my sister and I. We would oftentimes rat or tattle on so-and-so. And then just to make sure that we knew that our brother, my brother, my sister knew what I had done, I would very nonchalantly, as I walked away from mom after telling them, saying, mm. Now, I'm a little more mature than that. Now, I no longer stick out my tongue. But there are some times that we may still say and do things with a smirk behind us. The Bible gives us all sorts of examples of people that didn't do or didn't tell the truth. Think about Jonah. Jonah, who had the opportunity to tell the truth and to do what God wanted him to do, didn't quite follow through with that. Jonah wanted to do it his way. He wanted to sit on the hillside outside of Nineveh, and he wanted to watch his enemies get pulverized into the dust. He wanted to delight in the evil of watching revenge. 
Or think about the older brother of the prodigal son, who was the same, in the same way, he wanted his brother to get it. He wanted his brother to get what he deserved. He didn't want his brother to get a party. He didn't want his brother to get the fatted calf. Sadly, there's a real temptation and a delight in watching sometimes having evil done to others. The scripture also tells us that because it's talking about two different, thing, two different parts, that the fact that love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices in the truth. And so we look at the advantage of King David. Now, I know that King David didn't do a lot of good things, but there's also things that he did very, very well. Think about the fact that King David, toward the end of his life, he refused to stand and to gloat when King Saul was punished and died. Think about the things that when things didn't go, go when, when things stopped going Saul's way, David could have rejoiced in the triumph. He could have, when, Paul, when Saul was getting his, that the, he could have rejoiced in the triumph that Saul was getting what he deserved, getting the one-uppance. When Saul died, David refused to delight in that. He refused to delight in the evil that was, that was put before him. He could have, but instead he didn't. Now, why is it so bad to delight in evil? Because evil is evil. No matter who it, it happens to be or what it happens to, to be, what it happens to be done to, evil is evil and we are not to delight in it. Love is a holy thing. In Romans, Paul writes that love is to be sincere and active. Love is to be a, the real thing without any guile or without any hypocrisy. Hate what is evil. Detest all the ungodliness. Do not tolerate wickedness. Hold on tightly to what is truth. Be devoted to one another with authentic affection as members of one body, one family. These are some of the ways that other scripture passages show us and talk to us about what love is. Love is to be shown without pretending. That's what love does. In a book called Leading with Love, Graham Scruggy, he states that, a man, that what a man rejoices in is a fair test of his character to be glad when evil prevails or to rejoice in the misfortune of others is indicative of great moral degradation. You and I want to be known as someone that lives out love and lives out truth. We don't want to be lived and to be known as someone who rejoices in someone else's misfortune. As I said, when children are young, parents begin to teach the child very early the difference between truth and lies and the importance of, lie, of truth. We want to make sure that as Christians that we go back and back and back to the scripture and that we see it more and more about what is truth what is love? Are we carrying it out in our daily lives? 
Now, where do we take this message and go from here today? As I was thinking about this message and I was thinking about who I am and I was thinking about others, I realized that one size does not fit all. Because we are not all starting from the same starting places. We're not all wrestling with the same things. We are wrestling with many different things in our lives. And so for you today, your challenge, my challenge, is to begin to take a look at yourself. And if you're brave, ask someone that you love and trust to give you a little bit of feedback. Like Jonah, are you secretly wishing for something bad or evil to happen to someone? Do you want them to get what they deserved and then have a little bit of a smirk or a gloat because of that? When someone has hurt you, do you quietly or maybe not quite so quietly hope that something happens to them? You want everybody to know what that person did to you and that maybe, just maybe, something's going to happen to them and then you can sit back and smile or smirk when you see that they are suffering. Your next step may be asking forgiveness for those times when you did delight in what was wrong or evil. For others, your next step might be to be less like the older brother and much more like the loving father. While for others, it is going to be, if you're going to be much more honest and truthful, it's going to start with yourself, and it is to be, I'm going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be truthful with myself. It starts with me, and then it will flow through to others. You're going to examine yourself of where you are less than truthful and commit yourself to being true. Wherever you are today, I want to challenge you to take one step closer to living that life where love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with the truth. Today, as we come to this table, this is the greatest demonstration that we have that love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. God doesn't delight when he sees us doing wrong. God doesn't delight when he, you know, sees uh, that something is, is, is happening and, and that evil or sin is living out in our lives. We don't get what we deserve from God. We get grace. We get love. And God rejoices in that truth. God is love. Rejoice that Jesus Christ has come, that we might have life and have it abundantly. As we come to the table today, we come because Christ has invited us to come. We come because it is Christ's table. It is a table that has been spread for each and every one of us. We come not to say how good we are, but we come To say, God, I have sinned. There are times that I have delighted in the evil. 
There are times that I have taken joy that somebody else has suffered. But God, I come asking for your forgiveness this day. Let us pray.